Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal of the Continuing Church of God. Today I'd like to talk about Christians and the Ten Commandments. Are Christians supposed to keep the Ten Commandments? Some say yes, some say no. But what's the Bible teach? What did early professors of Christ teach? Were early true followers of Jesus opposed the Ten Commandments, or was it heretics and apostates who opposed the Ten Commandments? Well, those are some of the things we're going to cover. But most importantly, what we're going to cover is what the Bible itself actually teaches. If you've got a Bible, you might want to follow along. I'm going to be reading primarily through the uh, New King James Version of the Bible. You also might want to have some note paper, because I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. Now, what I may do to make it easier is to read some, so you don't have to refer to all of them. And we do have an article at the cogwriter.com website that will have most of the scriptures that I'm going to be going over in it. So if you don't have it from your notes or you want to know more, uh, you can find the information out from there. Now, some say that uh, Jesus did away with the Ten Commandments, and others say the Apostle Paul did. I'd like to go through a little bit about what Jesus said about each of the Ten Commandments. Starting with the first commandment, we're going to go through Matthew chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 10. In Matthew 4, verse 10, uh, Jesus was uh, having a discussion, if you will, with Satan who was trying to, to tempt him. And Jesus said, You shall love, or excuse me, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Well, Jesus, by saying this, was endorsing both the first and the second commandments. The first commandment to put no other gods before God, and the second commandment not to worship idols because God is spirit. And those who worship God need to worship him in spirit and truth. Now in Matthew 22, Matthew 22, uh, verse 37, Jesus said that, one the, that the greatest commandment was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So Jesus even calls this one the first commandment and he calls it a great commandment. You don't have to go there, but in Mark chapter 12, verse uh, 30, you, the same thing is said. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first commandment. In Luke 4, verse 8, just briefly, Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. So there are several statements from Jesus recorded in the New Testament that says you should keep the first commandment. Despite that, certain Protestant sources say, for example, the Ten Commandments are abolished. Today, Christians keep the law of Christ, which is superior. There's another source. The Ten Commandments were abolished. The Ten Commandments are no longer lawful. They're not binding on the Christian. Christian scriptures says the Ten Commandments were abolished. A Bible-believing person no longer is bound to follow them, in fact. There's another one. The Ten Commandments are not for Christians. So those are some of the claims. Are they true? Well, I just read what Jesus said about the first commandment. But let's go through Jesus and the Ten Commandments and some others. So you'll find out, you know, what does the Bible teach? If you're a Bible-believing Christian, do you believe you have to keep the Ten Commandments or not? Or should you believe? Commandment 2. I alluded to this before. I said uh, John 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In Revelation 2.14, Jesus said, But I have a few things against you, because you 
have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam and eat things sacrificed to idols. In verse 20, uh, we, we, we see again the same particular thing stated. So Jesus was discouraging idolatry. Since God is spirit, it's not true to worship him uh, with the use of idols or icons. Now I know that within the Church of Rome, they combined the first and second commandment. I will get to this later, but the way the original Ten Commandments were understood by professors of Christ, these are two separate commandments, not one as uh, the Church of Rome now shows. The third commandment. This is from uh, Matthew 12. So you want to go to Matthew. We're going to read a couple of verses in Matthew. First Matthew 12, starting with verse uh, uh, 31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. So blasphemy would include taking God's name in vain, and that's considered to be a sin. It's a forgivable sin. As it says, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which has to do with the unpardonable sin, which I'm not going to go into in this particular discussion, although we do have a sermon at the Continuing COG channel that goes into that. Now, if you go to Matthew 15, verse 19... You read, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, blasphemies. These are things that defile a man. So breaking the third commandment defiles a man. So three of the commandments Jesus endorsed. Well, what about the fourth? Well, we're in Matthew. Let's go back a few verses to Matthew 12, verses 11 and 12. What man is there among you who has one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay a hold of it and lift it out? Oh, how much more value is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. In Matthew 24, verse 20, Jesus was talking to the disciples and telling them about things that were going to happen in the later, latter times. Just before the start of the Great Tribulation, which occurs in Matthew 24, verse 21, Jesus said, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Well, if the Sabbath was supposedly done away when Jesus uh, died, was crucified, killed, why would he bother to say that? It wouldn't make any difference because the Sabbath was done away. But he said no. Pray that your flight not be in the winter, which would be in inclement time, or in the Sabbath. In Mark 2, verse 27, so switching over to Mark, uh, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What day is Jesus the Lord of? Well, Jesus said he's the Lord of the Sabbath day. Again, the fourth commandment. Going a few chapters over, Mark 6, verse 2, says, When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. You can see the same basic thing in Luke 4, verse 16. And as his custom was, he went down, excuse me, I'll say it again, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. I was uh, starting to look at the next verse I was reading, which is verse 31 of Luke uh, 4. Then he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Luke 6, verse 5, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. 
Again, another time we find out what day is the Lord's day. It's a Sabbath day. Verse 9. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy? Now let's go over a few other uh, chapters to Luke 13. We've got to kind of read bits and pieces starting in verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus healed on Sabbath. The Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite! Ought not this woman be loosed from the bound on the Sabbath? Next chapter, Luke 14. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they cannot answer regarding these things. Now some have said the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath meant he violated the law. That's what the Pharisees said. And that's what certain Protestants have said. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible never says you weren't supposed to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus was explaining that. In John 7.23, Jesus said, Are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? So they didn't understand, but that was another one of the commandments that Jesus endorsed. He endorsed it, he kept it, he preached on it, and he preached about it. He did not teach the Sabbath was some terrible burden. He taught it was a day that you should be able to do good on. About the fifth commandment. We're going to go to Matthew now. Let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 15. Matthew 15. I'm going to read uh, verse 4. Matthew 15, verse, verse 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother let him be put to death. And a few chapters over... Matthew 19, verse 19, Jesus said, Honor your father and mother. And we see the same thing in Mark 7, 10. Honor your father and mother. Mark 10, 19. Honor your father and mother. And then uh, Luke 18, uh, uh, 20 as well. So it's the fifth commandment. So, so far we see that Jesus endorsed five commandments, even though various Protestant writers say that they were all abolished. About the Sixth Commandment, or some other ones. Here, I'd like to read from Matthew 15. So, some of these I'm not going to, re- re- I'm going to not repeat when I, when I get into them again. Okay, Jesus is speaking, starting in verse 18 of uh, Matthew 15. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts that would be blasphemy of the third commandment uh, greed the uh, tenth commandment murders the sixth commandment adulteries the seventh commandment fornication seventh commandment uh, thefts eighth commandment false witness ninth commandment and blasphemies which I mentioned before is the th- a third commandment so we see in this one statement, Jesus endorsed the rest of the commandments. He also specifically said, uh, Matthew 19, verse 18, you shall not murder. 
And in uh, Mark 7, he goes to the same list of things, just like he did in uh, Matthew uh, 15, as well as uh, Luke 18, verse 20. Now, what about adultery? Well, Jesus took it a step further than the people there at the time had thought about. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, now they should have understood it because the Tenth Commandment said you weren't supposed to covet your neighbor's wife. But Matthew 5, verse uh, 27 Jesus expanded the commandment about uh, adultery. I would also say that uh, in Matthew 5, he also uh, expanded the commandment against murder, because he's talking about uh, hating being involved with murder as well. But anyway, uh, getting, getting over to the sixth commandment against murder. So anyway, seventh commandment, Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 27. You've heard it. You've heard that it was said of, to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Right? One of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, but I say to you, it's done away. It's okay. Because the commandments are going to be abolished for my people. No. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A couple other verses down, Matthew 5.32. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So again, we see Jesus expanding the commandments, not uh, uh, doing, do, getting rid of them. And in Matthew 19, verse 9, he says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Whoever marries her is divorced commits adultery. Matthew 10, 19, he said, do not commit adultery. Uh, Luke uh, 18, verse 10, 20, Jesus said, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery. One of the things he said. And Jesus called adultery a sin in uh, John uh, 8, verses 4 and 11. And Jesus warns about those in the future who would commit adultery after this is spiritual adultery after he was resurrected in Revelation 2, verse 22. He says, and I indeed will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. So Jesus, again, is another commandment. He taught it. The eighth commandment, Jesus said in Matthew uh, 19, verse 18, you shall not steal. In Matthew 21, verse 13, Jesus said, It is written, My house shall not my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And again, I've read the accounts in uh, Mark 10 and uh, Luke 18 also say the same thing. Do not, you know the commandments don't steal. Let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 5. We saw about uh, adultery being expanded according to what Jesus did as well as done away. Matthew 5, verse 33, getting to the ninth commandment. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear, uh, swear at all. Matthew 15, verse 19, 20. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, false witness. These are things which defile a man. Jesus said this, 
do not bear false witness. That's the ninth commandment. He also said it in Matthew 19, verse 18, do not bear false witness. And this was not done away when Jesus was killed or after he was resurrected. As it says in Revelation 2, 2, uh, Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, you've tested to the church at Ephesus, church of God at Ephesus, you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you found them to be liars. He had said that lying was wrong after, or bearing false witness was wrong, it's seen after he was resurrected. Uh, the Tenth Commandment about coveting. Uh, let's go to Matthew 6. Starting verse 25. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Well, people who covet are doing that. In uh, Matthew 7, verse uh, 22 and 23, uh, Jesus uh, referred to covetousness, and he said, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. Jesus taught every one of the Ten Commandments. It says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in Luke uh, 16, verse 17, Jesus says, It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or till a law to fail. Then in the next verse, he talked about the seventh commandment. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think I've come to destroy the law, but a lot of people have concluded that. Uh, he said, uh, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle will no wise pass away till all is fulfilled. Now some have tried to say that all is fulfilled when he was uh, uh, crucified or resurrected. But that, that's not the case, in the sense that if you look through it, you'll find that after this happened, Jesus referred to several of the commandments, and he's not the only one. You can see... Uh, other Christians in the New Testament, as well as Christians after the time the New Testament was written, all believed, the, the true Christians at least, believed that you still had to keep the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Matthew 22. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the laws of God show love towards God and love toward your neighbor. But some some Protestants, so-called Protestants, or what they call themselves, I guess they're Protestants, they seem to be Protestants of some kind, they say that these are all done away and not appropriate for Christians. So is it, should Christians be coveting, lusting, committing adultery, stealing, murdering, violating the Sabbath, worshiping idols, putting things before God, taking God's name in vain, dishonor their mother and father, and murdering, and, and stealing? You'd say, of course not. But various Protestant theologians say that. And here's another one. Uh, this is, says, The Ten Commandments, Christ nailed to the cross. 
Here's something from uh, a professor, M.D. Canright, an ordained Baptist minister. He says, The Ten Commandments and the whole Jewish law are abolished. And the Sabbath is not binding, binding upon Christians. We are not under the Ten Commandments, but under Christ. Well, this is ridiculous. Which of those commandments should you not keep? Well, he, he alludes to the, the Sabbath commandment, but Jesus referred to that one, and he referred to the other ones. Isaiah 42, verse 21, a prophecy, a prophecy about Jesus said that he will exalt the law and make it honorable. How was Jesus exalting the law? He was saying, look, it's not just committing adultery physically that is adultery, but lusting after a woman you're not married to, you're committing adultery, as well as uh, marrying someone who's divorced, you're committing adultery. He said, uh, murder is not just killing anybody, people, but uh, ha- having hate for the ha- hating the form of murder. The Bible is clear that Jesus came to magnify the law. He didn't say the law was done away. He kept telling people to keep the law. He told them that uh, they're, they're not supposed to swear. They're not supposed to swear falsely or swear at all. And he tried to explain that you shouldn't uh, covet because you should have faith in him. But others are saying, oh no, it's, it's, it's done away, it's done away. Now Jesus said in uh, John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep the commandments. In John 15.10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, abide in His love. John 14.24 He who does not love me does not keep my words. Interestingly, in Matthew 24.12, in a prophecy, Jesus said, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Breaking the law is lawlessness. It's linked to lack of love. Let's go to John 3. Read from the book of John, starting verse 19. And this is a condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Breaking the commandments are evil. And that's what Jesus was referring to. Now let's go to the book of Psalms. Let's go to the 119th Psalm. Now, someday I might give a full sermon in Psalm 119. But let's go to verse 142. The, the Bible says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. The law is truth. But some think it's done away, you shouldn't have to keep it. Let's go a few verses over to uh, verse 151. Psalm 119, 151. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Now remember in Psalm 119, verse 142, it says your law is truth. Then it says your commandments are truth. Are the commandments are truth, or is there something we're supposed to be done away with? 
In Psalm 119, verse 172, it says, My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. All the commandments are righteousness. Now, does the Bible teach that true Christians are still going to keep the commandments? Yes, it does. Take your Bible, for example, go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, and read verse 17. We're going to see a prophecy which is for the future and tells something about true Christians. It says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Okay, This is the rest of the church. This is part of the church that does not get protected during a time of trial during the Great Tribulation. And listen to the definition or a clue how you can tell who the true church is. Or, or who Christians are anyway. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's also repeated in the, uh, Revelation chapter 14. Christians, or, or the saints as they're called in Revelation 14, have the testimony of Jesus Christ and they keep the commandments of God. In uh, Matthew, let's go to Matthew, Matthew 13. I'd like to read something. Well, let's go step it back. to Matthew 7. Sorry, we'll start in Matthew 7. We'll go in order. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, Anyone just calls me Lord is going to be saved. No. Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So while some say all you have to do is profess that Jesus is Lord and that by that definition you will for sure be saved, that's not what Jesus taught. Those who believe the word of God should believe the word of God. If you claim to believe the word of God, do you really? Now, let's go to Matthew 13, verse 41. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. So look what's not going to be in the kingdom. So stuff that offends, which are those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. Those who practice lawlessness, those who say the commandments are done away with and you don't have to practice the law. But again, people will call Jesus Lord. In Matthew 15, Jesus had this issue with the, uh, with the Pharisees. And he says, Why do you transgress the transgression of God because of your tradition? In verse 9 of Matthew uh, 15, that was verse 3, he says, In vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. And we read the same basic thing also in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. In Mark uh, 10, let's go to Mark 10. I alluded to it before, but I'd like to go to it now. Mark 10, and we're going to start reading in uh, verse 17. 
Now, as he, that's Jesus, was going down the road, one came running. So this person had a certain zeal, at least, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this person knew he didn't have it, wanted to know what he had to do. And he was raised uh, in the Jewish faith, is the implication here. Verse 18, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good by one, that's God. Now while uh, uh, Jesus is God, this person didn't recognize him as that. Jesus was suggesting this person was being improper in how he uses titles. Anyway, Jesus then says to him, You know the commandments. Well, do you know the commandments? Well, here's what he said. He started, Jesus started to list a few of them. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. So Jesus told him to keep the commandments. Now the person was uh, had a problem with covetousness, however. In verse 20, 20, the person says, Look, teacher, I've done all these things, I kept them from my youth. Jesus looked at him and loved him. You're mostly there. But there's one thing you lack. And that is Jesus realized this person was too attached to the world. He says, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the stake, and follow me. Now, this person was very sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions. And Jesus said it was hard for those with riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. But with... Uh, humans, things were impossible. With God, all things were possible. So we see here, when Jesus was asked by somebody, what should you do? He said, he commands the person, I've kept them. Jesus said, well, kind of. There's just one you haven't, you don't, haven't quite gotten. And the person wouldn't, wouldn't do that. In John 1, Verses 1 and 3, you don't have to go there. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Then verse 3 it says, All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now, wouldn't all things include the commandments? Certainly they would. Now, let's flip back a few pages to Matthew. Matthew uh, 28. Verse 28. Jesus was teaching here, and He said, Matthew 28, starting verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Should you be keeping Jesus' commands? Of course. In Luke 6.46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Some people make a big deal about Jesus' mother Mary, but in Luke 8, 21, Jesus said, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In John 13, verse 17, he said, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus talked about the Ten Commandments, told people to do the commandments, but again, an argument that I read before is that uh, they were nailed to the cross. So... Even though Jesus made many of the statements, the ones in Revelation specifically, after the time uh, he was uh, uh, killed, and uh, some in Matthew, for that matter, and, uh, 
What about other writers? What about the Apostle Paul? Protestants like to say the Apostle Paul uh, got rid of the Ten Commandments. Let's go to the book of Acts. Read a couple things from, from Acts. With regard to the, the first commandment, Acts 17. I should have told you where I was going to go. Acts. Verse 24. Acts 17, 24. Paul said, God who made the world, everything in it. Then down in verse 27 says, you're supposed to seek the Lord. In other words, obey the first commandment. Going over to Acts uh, 24, verse 14, Paul said, I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things are written in the law. And there's a prophecy in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, that you might want to go to. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4 warns that uh, against putting anything before God, which is the first commandment. So 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, starting in verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And what does the son of perdition do? He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, as he sits in God, the temple of God, showing that he is God. So this man of sin is going to put himself above God, clear violation of the first commandment, but if the Ten Commandments were done away, it wouldn't shouldn't make any difference. But they weren't. We were in Acts 17 before. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to start, I'm going to read from verse 16, 22, and some other verses. So Acts 17, verse 16. So while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Now, interestingly, when I was in Athens, I was at the same basic spot where Paul was, and even today, there are uh, ruins, if you will, of uh, ancient idols and temples and stuff all around that you can see from, from uh, the hill there. Uh, also, if you go into the shops, the icon shops are full of idols and, I, and idols and icons, and, and so are the, uh, the, the, the churches that I found there, at least the Eastern Orthodox ones the Greek Orthodox ones. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of uh, Areopagus and said, and I found where Paul stood and I could see a lot of those things from there. That Again, the relics that are still, the remnants still, that are still there. It says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord uh, of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as if he needed anything. Paul warned about uh, idolatry. Uh, but let's right now go to Romans chapter uh, 1. Romans chapter 1, I'd like to read something from there. Romans 1, verse 22. Paul writes, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Right, they made idols of animals, statues out of animals and that kind of thing. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians.
So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 5, I guess we'll do there first, 5.11. Paul writes, Now I've written to you, not to keep company with anyone named a brother, so, so don't be uh, keeping company with Christians, supposed Christians, who are sexually immoral, violating the seventh commandment, covetousness, covetous, violating the tenth commandment, or an idolater, violating the second commandment, or a reviler, drunkard, or extortioner. An extortioner would be a thief that would be violating the eighth commandment. Uh, drunkard and reviler could be for the sixth commandment against murder. A drunkard could be against the first commandment, the tenth commandment, perhaps some others. Now let's go further. First Corinthians chapter six. Starting in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Remember, it's all God's commandments are righteousness according to Psalm 119, verse 172. Paul writes, do not be deceived. Now he's writing this after, after Jesus was uh, killed and resurrected. Neither fornicators, seventh commandment, idolaters, second commandment, adulterers, seventh commandment, homosexuals, seventh commandment, Sodomites, seventh commandment, thieves, eighth commandment, covetous, tenth commandment, drunkards, first probably as well as the tenth commandment, as I said before, uh, revilers, perhaps the sixth commandment, extortioners, the eighth commandment, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed and you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. So people who've broken the commandments, they can they can repent. I have other uh, uh, scriptures that the Apostle Paul listed. We have an article called Paul and the Ten Commandments at the cogwriter.com website, and you can read what the Apostle Paul wrote about them to find out he did not say that they were all done away. In Romans 3, you don't have to go there, but verses 9 through 14, he talks about those who are under sin and said their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Well, cursing is a violation of the third commandment. In Ephesians 4.31, he said, Let evil speaking be put away from you. And in Colossians 3.8, he said, Put off these things, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouths. In 1 Timothy 1.20, Learn not to blaspheme. And in the time of the end, he warns that people will be blasphemers. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 2. So that commandment's still around. A preacher said, named Jeffrey W. Hamilton from the La Vista Church of Christ said, one of the Ten Commandments was not carried over into the law of Christ. Not all the Ten Commandments were carried over to the law of Christ. As I mentioned before, uh, Professor Canwright said uh, they were abolished, but the, ten, but the Sabbath isn't binding. And usually if they say there's one, it wasn't to be kept, it was the Sabbath. Uh, here's something from uh, Charles Ebert Orr. It says, The keeping of the command of the Sabbath as commanded on the tables of stone was nailed to the cross. The Sabbath of the Ten Commandments had its mission and says it was over. 
Here's another one from uh, the Mark Bible by Charles Lindsay Taylor. Ten commandments were given to the Jews, and when Christ came and died, they were all nailed to the cross. Well, they were not all nailed to the cross. I just read uh, the first several ones of them. But what about this argument that the one commandment that was nailed to the cross, supposedly, is the Sabbath? Well, it's simply not true. Well, notice uh, in Acts 17, it says that, uh, verse 2, Paul, as his custom was, went, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Uh, he also said, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Uh, Acts 18.4. So, Paul spoke in the Sabbath. He spoke to Jews and he spoke to the Greeks, the Gentiles. He taught the Ten Commandments. Now, what some people forget is the Ten Commandments uh, sometimes have multiple parts. In terms of the Fourth Commandment, it doesn't just say to rest on the Sabbath. It says also that you are supposed to work six days. People sometimes forget that. Well, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 28, uh, you don't have to go there, but the Apostle Paul said, Let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to those who have need. The Ten Commandments show love. You're supposed to work if you can, so you can help others. That shows love. The Ten Commandments show love toward God and to others. Many people are familiar with what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So, commanded to work. The fourth commandment says, Six days shall you labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a, is a commanded rest for, of God, when God rested himself. Now, there's a question about who wrote the book of Hebrews. It may have been the Apostle Paul, it may not have been the Apostle Paul. Uh, the, traditionally, it's been ascribed to the Apostle Paul. Whether he wrote it or not, it is in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to read a verse there. Hebrews 4, verse 4, it says, For he, that's God, has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Well, we read about that in Genesis chapter 2. But let's go further into verse 9 and 10. Hebrews 4. There remains therefore a rest... And I'll get to that in a second again. For the or two. For the people of God, for he who entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as he did from his. Now this word in Hebrews chapter four, this is tricky when some people read this, because you read about the word rest multiple times in Hebrews chapter four. But in verse nine, the word is actually sabbatismo, which means it's a keeping of the Sabbath. And the people that that remains. There remains, therefore, a keeping of the Sabbath for the people of God. So Protestant writers who say all the Ten Commandments are done away with, or all of them except the Fourth Commandment was done away with, are wrong. Now verse 11 says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. What rest? The seventh-day Sabbath rest that he's talking about. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow 
and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is teaching. Christians are supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. Specifically, they're supposed to keep the Sabbath commandment. It's clearly stated in the New Testament that it remains, therefore, keeping the Sabbath for the people of God. Some have erroneously claimed that the King James Version of the Bible was divinely inspired were God's words. Well, there are a few errors in the King James Version of the Bible, and there's some mistranslations as well. And this one here, in the New King James and the Old King James Version, are mistranslated. Now, we have articles on the Sabbath, and there are, are translations from at least three or four uh, Protestant sources, and I, uh, I think, or three or four, and, and or three or four Catholic sources, translators who realize that this means keeping the Sabbath. And that's what this scripture says. And if you're going to believe the Bible, you're going to believe you have to keep that particular commandment. Now, the book of uh, Romans uh, 1, verse uh, 29 and 30, uh, Paul talks about the fifth commandment. It says, being filled with unrighteousness or disobedient to parents. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Why is this commandment done away with? Should we be dishonoring our parents now? Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So this is clearly commanded. Uh, it also says in Colossians uh, 3, verse 6, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In Colossians 3, 20, Children, obey your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. And there's a warning in 2 Timothy 3 about in the last days people are going to be disobedient to parents. And Paul taught about taught against murder. Uh, he called it unrighteousness in uh, Romans 1.29. He also said in Romans 13, verse 9, you shall not murder. Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 1. Oh, no wonder I wasn't finding I was in 2 Timothy 1. I was thinking, this doesn't look great. I was checking my notes. But we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person, for the righteous person would, would, should want to keep the commandments. A righteous person wouldn't want to steal from somebody, lie to somebody, etc. But for the lawless and subordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy and profane. Okay, profane, we're talking about people who would violate the uh, third commandment against uh, uh, blasphemy for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers so here's an allusion to both the uh, the fifth commandment as well as the sixth commandment for manslayers sixth commandment for fornicators for sodomites again this would be a reference to the seventh commandment for kidnappers which would be uh, for the eighth commandment for liars for perjurers, both of those talking about the Ninth Commandment, and if there's anything else that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God that was committed to my trust. 
Paul is saying the Ten Commandments are still in effect. Paul said in Romans 13.9, you should not commit adultery. Uh, he said that uh, fornicators and adulterers, homosexuals, are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he calls uh, some of these things the work of the flesh in Galatians 5.19. And so we see that particular commandment was still in effect. Romans uh, 13.9, he says, you shall not steal. It says, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. He also says in Ephesians 4.28, let him who steals, steal no more. Again, I know I've gone through a lot of scriptures, and you can uh, look at these up yourself. You can go to the cogwriter.com website, and they're, they're listed there. But I'm trying to go through several of them here, so you'll see what the Apostle Paul taught. Protestant writers who say the Ten Commandments are done away with are wrong. Romans 13.9, Paul says you should not bear false witness. He says in Ephesians 4.25 to put away lying. We're supposed to, as Christians, imitate Jesus Christ and be more like God. In Titus 1 verse 2 it says, God cannot lie. In Hebrews 6.18 it says, uh, it's impossible for God to lie. So we're supposed to be like Him. We're not supposed to say, oh, the Ten Commandments are done away with. So it's okay to lie. No. In Romans 7.7, 7, Paul said that uh, you should not covet. He also said it in Romans 13.9. Well, and I'd like to read First Thessalonians 2.5. I was debating, but I decided to do it anyway. First Thessalonians 2.5, Paul writes, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, as a, nor a cloak for covetousness. Paul was teaching against covetousness. Let's go to the book of uh, Revelation uh, 22. Revelation 22. Remember, I read numerous quotes from several Protestant leaders that the Ten Commandments are done away with or nailed to the cross or they're all done away with except the Sabbath or some other uh, similar nonsense. It's nonsense because it does not agree with the Word of God. Oh yeah, they'll twist the Word of God. They'll twist Paul's writings. They'll take things out of context. But what they teach is not biblical. And I'm going to explain for another, another way that one can prove that. Okay, so now let's go to uh, Revelation 22, verse 14. See, one of the last things that the Bible teaches, this is the last book, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Blessed are those who do His commandments. Now they'll say, well, this just means Jesus' commandments that don't, that don't have anything to do with the Ten Commandments. No, that's ridiculous. That they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gate into the city. Now, notice he doesn't make it. But outside are dogs, which is a, sometimes a term for uh, uh, sexually immoral, certain of them, sorcerers, the sexually immoral, murderers, 
idolaters and whoever practices and loves a lie. And many seem to practice and love the lie that the Ten Commandments are done away with. And that is just just not the case. Now, some say that uh, the Ten Commandments were eliminated based on a writing in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. So let's go to the book of Colossians. We're going to read Colossians 2, 14 to see what it, to see what it says there. start in verse 13. And you, talking to Christians, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, that's Jesus, has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now notice this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way and have it nailed to the, to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Now, the problem with this particular passage is what this term means. This handwriting of uh, requirements. Was it handwriting of the uh, requirements, the Ten Commandments? No. This particular term for the handwriting of requirements is talking about the penalty. Okay, for example, let's say that you get a uh, traffic ticket of some type and you you go to court and uh, the, you're guilty. Normally you'd have to pay the penalty. But let's say for some reason that the judge said, okay, somebody else paid the penalty for you. You don't have to pay it. Now you were still guilty. You're not supposed to go out and disobey traffic laws anymore, but if somebody else paid the penalty, paid your penalty for you, it's eliminated the, the, the requirements. That's what this is talking about, that the penalty of breaking the Ten Commandments was abolished as long as you obey Jesus Christ. I was debating going into this, but since we're already here in Colossians 2, we'll go down to the next part. Verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Now what's interesting, that word is is not in here. And when the same Greek words are used other places in the Bible, it just says the body of Christ. So what this is saying is don't let anyone judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or new moon or the Sabbath, which are shadow things to come, but the body of Christ. In other words, the, only the church should judge uh, how you should be keeping those, not outsiders. Outsiders do not approve of, uh, or they don't, at least they don't practice themselves, they typically don't keep the Sabbath. Uh, there are some faiths that do, to a degree. Uh, and they typically do not keep the festivals of God, although sometimes they do to a degree. But uh, you're supposed to be judged by the church. But what about the church? There are a lot of other writings that uh, uh, we can look at. I mentioned what Jesus said that was recorded about each of the Ten Commandments. Paul taught each of the Ten Commandments were in effect after the crucifixion. 
We've got an article that we go into other New Testament writers uh, who taught the Ten Commandments. So you can find all of them from Jesus, all of them from Paul. If you take the rest of the New Testament writers together, put them together, you'll also get all Ten Commandments were endorsed by the other writers of, of the New Testament. Now, I'm not going to go through and read all of those anymore because I think I've given you enough guidelines. And again, if you want more specific information, you can go to the articles at the cogwriter.com website. Over at the side, there's a section called Ten Commandments. Click on that and bring you down to a variety of Ten Commandments articles where uh, there's many scriptures that address many issues that many have brought up who do not believe that they need to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, one of the reasons that I read uh, Colossians 2, the part about let no one uh, judge him, how you keep the Sabbaths, etc., except the body of Christ or the church, is to address the next point. How did early Christians view this particular time of the Ten Commandments? What I mean is, did the early Christians believe the Ten Commandments were done away with or not? I told you about the Greek word, about the handwriting of the ordinance, of, uh, ordinance and what it meant. Am I wrong? Some Protestant scholars take a different view. They say this is talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, what's interesting is these Protestant scholars were writing into the 19th, 20th, or 21st century. But what about the people who knew the apostles? Did they keep the Ten Commandments? Well, certainly, it's well known that the first uh, dozen or more bishops of, uh, first, the bishops of Jerusalem up until 135 A.D. all kept the Ten Commandments. So we knew that from the beginning. So that, that's not to not question. It's in the historical record. People believe that. What about non-Jews? Because some will say, well, that's just Jewish leaders kept the Ten Commandments. Which is interesting. Uh, all the uh, uh, disciples of Jesus were uh, Israelites. They, they, they all kept the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Twelve Apostles, anyway. One of them, or more than one of them, uh, laid hands upon Polycarp of Smyrna, and around 120 A.D., I'm going to read something he wrote. Polycarp wrote, But he who raised him up from the dead will raise us up also if we do his will and walk in his commandments, love what he loved, keeping ourselves from all unrighteousness, covetousness, love of money, evil speaking, false witnessing, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, blow for blow, or cursing for cursing. So we see here, Polycarp referred to many of the Ten Commandments and said, you have to keep them if you want to be resurrected. There's no doubt that this was something that early Christians believed. He also wrote, this is to his letter to the Philippians, the love of money is the root of all evils. Knowing this, as we brought nothing in this world, we can carry nothing out. Let's arm ourselves with armor of righteousness. And remember, all of God's commandments are righteousness. And let us teach, first of all, ourselves to walk in the commandments of the Lord. Next, teach your wives to walk in the faith given to them in love and and in love and purity, tenderly loving their own husbands in all truth, and loving others equally in all chastity, and train up the children in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Teach the widows to be discreet, respect as respects to the faith of the Lord, praying continually, being far from all slandering, evil speaking, false witnessing, love of the money, and every kind of evil. He also wrote, Knowing then that God is not mocked, we ought to walk worthy of his commandment and glory. 
For it is well that they should be cut off from the lusts of the world, since every lust wars against the spirit. And neither fornicators, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God, nor those things that do those who do things which are inconsistent and unbecoming. Polycarp's again talking about the commandments. Here's another one. I exhort this is from Polycarp. Exhort you, abstain from covetousness, that you may be chaste and truthful. Abstain from every form of evil. If a man does not keep himself from covetousness, he shall be defiled by idolatry and be judged as one of the heathen. But who of us are ignorant of the judgment of the Lord? Polycarp's saying, look, we all should know all this stuff about the commandments and you all should be keeping them. He referred to at least six of the commandments in there and perhaps nine, since stealing could be, for example, uh, related to the uh, love of money. There's also indications in the literature that uh, Polycarp kept the Sabbath, which I won't go into here. He taught the Ten Commandments. Now there's another leader, Melito of Sardis. Around 170 AD, he endorsed the commandments, as well as specifically breaking two of them as sin. He's he's talking about idolatry. He says... uh, if uh, therefore a man forsake the light and say there's another God is plain from what he himself says that it's some created thing which he calls God. If a man calls fire God, it's not God because it's fire. If a man calls water God, it's not God, it's still water. He says some of these by the moon or the stars run their course without ceasing by divine command. Do not speed along their will. Neither are these gods. And if a man call gold or silver gods, aren't these object things which do as we please? If he calls the pieces of wood that we, we burn or these stones which we break, how can these things be gods? For they are to for the use of man. How can they escape the things of this commission of great sin? Who in their speech change the great God into these things so long as they continue by divine command. So, so Melito is—he was a, a bishop of Sardis, the overseer. He he was saying that you can't say these other things are God because they're not. It's a violation of God's commandments. He also had something called the discourse in the presence of Antonius. He also talked about uh, the second, seventh, and tenth commandments, specifically idolatry, adultery, lusting for another one's wife. He's was claimed to be one who observed the uh, the annual Sabbath, and be logical he would have kept the fourth commandment as well. Now, even the Roman supporting Irenaeus around 180 wrote that Christ taught that he did not uh, do away the Ten Commandments. He says, and the Lord did not abrogate the natural precepts of the law by which man is justified which also those who are justified by faith, who please God, did observe to give me the law, but that he extended and fulfilled them is shown in the following words. For it's been said at the time of old, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks upon a woman to lust after has committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, it said, you shall not kill. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And it's been said, you shall not swear yourself. But I say, swear not at all. Let your conversation be yes, yes, or no, no. And other statements like this. For all these 
do not contain or imply an opposition to an overturning of precepts of the past, as Marcion's followers do strenuously maintain, but they exhibit a fulfilling an extension of them. When we get to act to Marcion in just a moment or two, read something else though from uh, Irenaeus. Preparing man for this life, the Lord himself did not speak in his own person to all alike the words of the Decalogue. He did speak in his own person to all alike. The words of the Ten Commandments. The Decalogue of the Ten Commandments. And therefore, in like manner, they do remain permanently with us, receiving by means of his advent in the flesh, extension and increase, not abrogation. So, absolutely, he taught the Ten Commandments. In... 180 AD, Theophilus of Antioch, who was the overseer bishop there, who was apparently in the Church of God, uh, he wrote, In the sixth day God finished his works which he made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his works which he made, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his works which he began to create. Moreover, concerning the seventh day, which all men acknowledge, but the most know not what among the Hebrews is called the Sabbath, is translated in the Greek as uh, seventh, a name which is adopted by every nation, although they don't know the reason for the appellation. Well, this comment here is kind of interesting. Even nowadays, there's many languages that the word for Saturday is Sabbath, or some version of it, uh, even in Russian, by the way. He says people don't know how come they got it. He says, God, having thus completed the heavens and the earth, and the sea and all that's in them, on the sixth day, rested on the seventh day from all the works he made. The uh, other thing, uh, with, with, uh, without going through everything he wrote, I guess I'll read a few more of the commandments he, he wrote about. This is from Theophilus of Antioch. They shall have no gods before me, shall not have a graven image, uh, honor your father and mother, do not commit adultery, do not steal, you should not steal, you should not kill, excuse me, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, you should not cover his neighbor's wife, cover his house, nor his land servant, maidservant, ox, beast of burden, or any of his cattle. Of this divine law, he's calling it the divine law, then Moses, who was God's servant, was made the minister both to all the world and chiefly to the Hebrews. So that to everybody, he said, it wasn't just for the Jews, but the Hebrews. Of this great and wonderful law, which tends to all righteousness, the ten heads are such as we've already rehearsed. So in other words, Theophilus says, look, I, the ten heads, the ten commandments, I've already gone through them in your writings. People are supposed to keep them. And they're supposed to be kept today. Now, I mentioned Marcion. And I said I was going to get back to Marcion. One thing I find very interesting about Marcion is that uh, some have called him the first Protestant. Quote, this is from Johann August Neander. Marcion, a genuine Protestant, if we may transfer to this ancient day, this appellation. Uh, then uh, Harnack uh, interprets Neander calling the first Protestant, and he seems to have the same view. This first biograph on Marcion, Adolf von Harnack, quoted approvingly the opinion of August Neander, according to which Marcion was the first Protestant. However, um, this other Protestant source says, though celebrated, 
as the first Protestant by Adolf von Harnack for his radical interpretation of the Pauline distinction between the law and the gospel. Marcion was the most horrible heretic in the second century and the spiritual father of perennial danger for Christian theology. So we see Marcion was not considered to be that good of a person. Uh, uh, Justin Martyr, who Protestants and Catholics tend to consider a saint, he blasted uh, Marcion. Uh, he says he didn't understand. He's got opinions and comes up with all kinds of heresies. Said that the devil put Marcion forward. Uh, Irenaeus also uh, wrote against him. I mentioned Polycarp of Smyrna. He opposed Marcion. This is Polycarp. This is Irenaeus wrote this. Uh, was faithful to the present time. He was much greater weight and more steadfast witness of the truth than Valentinus, Marcion, and all of the rest of the heretics. He came to Rome, turned many to the her- away from the heretics to the Church of God. And Marcion himself, re- excuse me, and Polycarp himself replied to Marcion when he ran into him, who met him on one occasion. Marcion said, Do you know me? And Polycarp says, I know you, the firstborn of Satan the firstborn of Satan. Marcion is considered the firstborn of Satan. If you consider yourself a Protestant, you might want to consider that. Because Christians and other professors of Christ uh, did not have good things to say about Marcion. He was also specifically opposed by Theophilus of Antioch. I won't read all of it again, but he wrote against him as well as did uh, uh, Catholic writers, uh, such as Hippolytus. Uh, Tertullian said that Marcion was originally part of the Catholic Church, and he was uh, denounced by Polycarp. Apparently he gave a lot of money, and he came back with the good grace of the Church of Rome for a while, until he was finally put out. So he influenced the Church of Rome. But in modern times, it's Protestants who tend to have uh, the Marcion view on, on, on things. According to the Catholic saint and doctor of their church, Jerome, Marcion tried to destroy the law and testimony of the apostles. He was not a good person. Simon Magus, who was denounced by the apostle Peter, born uh, about in Acts chapter 8, and heretic Marcion, and some others were the ones who did away, or tried to do away, with the law of God. Now I said I was mostly going to read from the New King James Version of the Bible. I would like to read something from the Old King James Version, 1 John chapter 3. First John 3 verse 4 says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. Now we know, it says in Acts 2.38, that Peter said, Repent and let everyone you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, so you should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, some people have some difficulty understanding what sin is, and sin is a transgression of the law, the Ten Commandments, and how Jesus uh, uh, expanded upon them, are parts of, are parts of the law. Are Christians supposed to keep the Ten Commandments? 
Certainly. Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14. I'll give you a moment to get there. Revelation 14. I'm going to read verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. These are Christians. Here are those who say the Ten Commandments were done away with, and who blasphemy Jesus. No. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. But some do not have that particular view. Now as far as Protestants go, I guess I'll briefly mention that uh, Martin Luther uh, and William Tyndale did believe you're supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. They misunderstood them, but they did teach that. The idea that Christians were not supposed to keep the Ten Commandments was a heretical idea, an apostate idea that Simon Magus Marcion came up with. But early professors of Christ, even those who weren't faithful, generally speaking, believed they were supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. Now I mentioned before about the Ten Commandments, what they were. Now sometimes some get confused by the Church of Rome, who has uh, modified those commandments. They put two of them together and it split one at the end. But I'd like to read some something from the early 3rd century from Clement of Alexandria, uh, who listed uh, most of the Ten Commandments. For some reason he left out Commandment 3 and 9. But it says the first commandment of the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments, shows there's only one God. The second word imitated that men ought not to take and confer the august power of God and transfer his title to things created in vain which human artificers have made. I know that sounds a bit technical, but basically saying the second commandment, you're not supposed to make idols and worship them. So that's what he said was the second one. And the fourth one uh, is that God gave us, us the seventh day of rest on account of the trouble that is this life. For God is incapable of weariness and suffering and want, but we who bear flesh need rest. The seventh day, therefore, is proclaimed a rest. Now the fifth in order is honored father, father and mother, then follows command about murder, followed by adultery, one respecting theft, and a tenth is a command respecting all less. So we see that Clement of Alexandria recorded the Ten Commandments the same way that we do now. The so-called apostolic constitutions written in Syria around 250 AD states have before your eyes the fear of God and always remember the Ten Commandments of God. To love the one and only Lord God with all your strength and take no heed to, no heed to idols or any other beings or lifeless gods or rational beings or demons. Consider the manifold workmanship of God which receives beginning through Christ. You shall observe the Sabbath on account of him who ceased from his works of creation but not ceased from his own providence. It's the rest for the mediation of the law, not for idleness of hands. So we see that in these sources in the uh, uh, second and third century the third, that they believed the Ten Commandments were supposed to be kept, including the Sabbath commandment. Let's go to First John chapter 2. First John 2, starting in verse 3. Now, by this we know we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, 
is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. But this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. Well, Jesus kept the Ten Commandments and taught them. Let's go down to verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Many are deceived that they don't have to keep Ten Commandments because through traditions of men, through Protestant leaders, they don't believe they have to do it. Within the Church of Rome, there are some misunderstandings about the commandments. Uh, formally, they teach that you're supposed to keep them. However, similar to the Pharisees of old, they have uh, rules or ways around uh, them. And again, they combine the first two together. It should be clear from Scripture that Christians have to keep the Ten Commandments. But I'd like to actually close with a scripture from the Old Testament. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'll give you a moment to get there. I'll have some water. I already mentioned that Revelation 22, the last chapter, the last book of the Bible, says that the people who... Uh, are not going to make it are those who break the commandments and those are blessed to do keep the commandments. But Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. The conclusion of the matter is that God expects people to keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments teach love toward God and love toward neighbor. How is it good to break them? Well, it's not. Yet, many uh, have followed leaders who either tell them that they're done away, they're all done away except one of them, or they're sort of in place, but it doesn't really apply, or you can violate them depending on circumstances. But that's not what Jesus did, that's not what the Apostle Paul did, that's not what they taught. That's not, and true early Christians also kept the Ten Commandments. So shouldn't you? Because that's what the Bible teaches. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the continuing Church of God.